Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Well, good morning. This is our final week in our Easter resurrection series where we have loosely been uh, oriented around the theme of spring cleaning, look, looking at those things in our lives that we need to shed, we, we need to get rid of, uh, the things that are holding us back from fully embracing this resurrection story, things like fear and cynicism. Last week, Pastor Jonathan preached about guilt and shame and how we need to let go of the guilt and the shame so that we can embrace God's identity for us, beloved, forgiven children of God. This week, as we wrap up that series, we have a familiar story, the road to Emmaus. And the theme, the topic for the weekend is, is how might we be, we be invited to let go of the story that we've been living in to embrace a new possibility, that God is indeed writing a new story in our lives. But this week, as I was working to prepare this sermon, I, I really struggled with finding the right words. How do you find the right words in the wake of such a horrific tragedy that happened in Texas? I've struggled all week long with what to say, what, how to give voice to, to what's happening for all of those families and Across our country, so many people living in fear. And it brought me right back to uh, a memory that I have of, of being a young uh, overnight chaplain at the Ohio State Medical Center. Every pastor in our denomination, in our tradition, has to do a, a clinical chaplaincy unit, a supervised time of hospital chaplaincy. It, it helps you to learn um, how to best offer pastoral care while also reflecting on how you give care. And after my clinical unit was complete, I was hired on by um, the Ohio State Medical Center to work the night shift. And it worked out really well for, for my life situation at the time. Becca and I were living down here in Cincinnati, but I was commuting to Columbus every week um, to finish my last year of uh, seminary studies. And I needed a place to stay, so why not just stay the night at the hospital, right? Um, so I, I, I had a little room down in the basement of the hospital where the medical residents also got, you know, 10 minutes of sleep a night. And I would sleep on this little hospital bed and I would wait for the pager to go off or a code to come through the system. And, and then I would have to go respond and figure out what sort of care was needed. And one night, in the middle of the night, my pager went off and it was calling me to the labor and delivery unit. And I knew that if you're being called to the labor and delivery unit as an on-call chaplain, it's probably not good news, especially in the middle of the night. At this point in my life, I didn't have any children of my own. This was sort of out of my comfort zone. And I made my way to the unit and I met the charge nurse and 
she informed me that the delivery was very traumatic and that they had lost their baby. So here I am, this overwhelmed and uncertain on-call chaplain walking into a room filled with grief. And as I walked into this room, I was praying, God, give me the right words to speak. What should I say? What can I say? What do they need to hear? And and I remember walking in and, and the room was just filled with sobbing and tears and grief, lament. And for the first few minutes I, I, I walked in and I said, I'm Lauren and I'm the, the chaplain here. I, I'm here for you. I am so sorry for your loss and just more crying and more crying. And I remember for the first 10 minutes of being in that room, I was running through my mind, what can I say? What should I say? Is there a scripture? Is there a prayer? Is there something that I can offer? And, and then after about 10 minutes, I just, I quit trying to find the right words. And for the next few, I just stood there silently, feeling awkward at times, but being present to the moment. And after a few more minutes, I I asked the father in the room, I said, would you mind if I said a prayer silently? I wasn't even comfortable speaking a prayer out loud because I didn't want to say something that might offend or hurt that was intended to comfort but would actually cause injury to this grieving family and the father said sure and I I prayed silently and I, I gave them my number and I said if you need anything, call. I walked out of the room and I went back down to the basement of the hospital and I got some sleep and the next morning I was checking in in the chaplaincy office for the staff chaplain and I met with the staff chaplain and I told him about the night that we had had, the the different calls that I had responded to and I told him about that labor and delivery unit call. And I said, chaplain, I I feel like a failure. I, I just feel like a failure because I, I couldn't say anything. I, I didn't have the words. Shouldn't I know what to say? What do you say in those moments? And I'll always remember, he took a deep breath and he looked at me and he said, last night, you were the word. You just being in the room, you were the word. Sometimes tragedies come, the unthinkable happens, and we don't have spoken words. But you being there, you were the word, the living word of God, Emmanuel. Christ with that couple. And that is enough. That is enough. In so many of these circumstances in life, like that moment years ago in that hospital room or in other circumstances, you'll hear a phrase that gets spoken by people. It's a phrase that was actually spoken in today's gospel lesson. These two disciples are headed out of Jerusalem and they too are filled with grief. They're, they're filled with anguish, disappointment, despair, the The Christ, the anointed one that they believed, the hope for Israel, 
um, resided in was crucified. He was buried. He was dead. And as they're walking along the path, did you hear what they uttered? Three simple words that can so often be found in moments of tragedy. We had hoped. We had hoped. Have you ever uttered those words? Maybe your loved one was diagnosed with a terminal illness or cancer, and you find yourself saying, we, we had hoped for something different. We had hoped. This week as I met with Sue Kephart and the Kephart family at the loss of Stan, one of the things that Sue kept saying over and over again is I had hoped that Stan would outlive me. I had hoped. 21 families right now are crying out we had hoped. We had hoped to walk these daughters down the aisle at their wedding. We had hoped to see our children grow and flourish. We had hoped. We had hoped. We had hoped. And as all of those families gathered at that civic center, waiting to hear there was one group of parents whose children were running into their arms and there was a whole nother group who were waiting and waiting and waiting. They had hoped that they were a part of that other group. What do you speak in these moments? What is the Christian response in these moments? I believe that the most faithful Christian response is not to immediately be announcing the promise of the resurrection, although we hold that to be true. We are a people whose theology is one of hope. Love and life win. What Jesus, what God did through the resurrection of Jesus, God will do for these 19 children and these two teachers. And yet, the most faithful Christian response is to join our lament to the lament of the grieving and to echo what is in their heart. We too had hoped. You see in the story of Emmaus, when these two were walking and they're walking with Jesus and they don't recognize that it's the Christ, we see something interesting happening here. Jesus is sort of trying to explain to them all of the prophets and, and the law of Moses and all, of the, all that was foretold about the Messiah, right? But none of that is connecting. It's just not working. <laughs> they don't recognize that this is Christ. This is just somebody who's totally in the moment, Christ even, missing the point. Because you can't explain away. You can't, you can't, Talk your way through somebody's devastation. But where I find hope in the story of Emmaus is in the fact that Jesus is accompanying them, walking with them, listening to their cries, to their pain, actually listening. And then this beautiful moment that happens when they gather around a table and they do something as simple as break bread together. That's when they recognize 
the new possibility of a new world that God was ushering in. I think the call of the church in these moments is to join our life to those whose lives have been ripped apart, to stand in solidarity, to walk alongside, to not worry about what spoken words we might offer, but to be the very living incarnate word ourself, to sit with people, to break bread. And now we might not know these families directly in Texas, but we all have work to do. We have work to do to live with great intention and purpose here in this community. Because if we ever think that what happens in places like Littleton, Colorado, Sandy Hook, Parkland, can't happen here, we are foolish and we have deceived ourselves. The call of the church is to be resurrection people who walk alongside all people, offering words of hope, comfort, a listening ear. Who do you know in your life that is overcome with grief? Who do you know that is crying out, I had hoped, we had hoped? How can we draw alongside them, walk with them, cry with them, sit in the silence, break bread together? How can we be the church who gently and quietly points to a new story. You see, if we need any evidence that the story of this world is not satisfying, well, here we go this week. We have no other choice, church, but to grieve and to cry and to lament and to mourn and also to get up and to live into the new story that God is writing to show the world and to show our children that there's another story that is true and only one story is ultimately more powerful. It's the story of God's unending love, unending grace, unending hope in the center of a confused and broken world. So this week, May we quiet the words from our mouths and may we be the living word, the embodiment of hope, the embodiment of peace. Cling to your faith. Cling to it just as you cling to your children in the hope of the crucified and risen Lord. God loves each of you and I do too. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.